You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Delirious Nomads. Uh, I'll tell you, this podcast keeps getting more and more fun for me personally and for Matt. Um, you know, always great for all the guests that take the time to be on the podcast uh, so we can talk about all things heavy metal, talk about the label, Blacklight Media a little. Um, but, you know, this podcast is really special to me because I don't know our guest. Um, I'm excited to meet him, uh, so to speak. Uh, they are one of my absolute favorite bands. They're also in the Metal Blade family. Uh, please welcome Brody from Rivers of Nile. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being on. So what's happening? Where are you? Uh, well, right now I am at home in good old Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, we just got done with band practice a few hours ago, came home and had had some dinner with my girlfriend and we watched some, some television and just kind of chilled out. And uh, And then tomorrow we head on back to practice again. So we're spending this whole week uh, getting ready for our, our next tour that we're leaving for on Friday, which is uh, we're supporting the contortionist uh, across the US. They're going to be playing two of their records, uh, language being one and exoplanet being the other. And we're playing our entire new record, The Work. And it's just the two of our bands. Uh, and it's five weeks, so I, I'm, I've never done a tour. Uh, we've never done a tour quite like this, where there's just one other band, and it's a very kind of prog-centric, progressive, yeah. you know, metal-centric sort of tour. Uh, so it's going to be a, it'll be a cool kind of new thing for us, I think, because um, oftentimes we do a lot of, you know, most of the tours that we've done so far in all of our years of touring have been in one way or another focused on, you know, really really heavy you know there's always that kind of like underlying death metal element and uh we've never gone out with a band who you know the contortionist covered smashing pumpkins you know right. so this, it's going to be a different kind of tour for us and i think we're all preparing in a slightly different way from how we normally would and really kind of like going going in and looking at certain things a little differently than we would you know normally so we're just spending time getting prepared and uh we just we just got back from two weeks over in Europe. We were doing festivals, um, played a bunch of really awesome fests over there. We did Arctangent, uh, Brutal Assault, Motocultor, and um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, Brutal Assault, Arctangent. I'm totally blowing it right now. We did <laughs> okay. we did four festivals over there. Um, Alcatraz, that was the other one. 
Um, and then we played a bunch of routing dates in between with suffocation and decapitated. Um, oh, wow. so, so yeah, so we're, we're kind of just like keeping the ball rolling, I guess. Uh, the machine is kind of the machine being the band is kind of back up and running again after a long dormant period over COVID. And then we played, um, we toured the black Dahlia murder back in September of 2021 and then took eight months off and then we did a headliner. So it's been a lot of start and stop, you know, for us, but I think now we're finally back into the groove of, of doing the thing again and, and everyone's getting along real good and, and everything's sounding real great. So we're, we're really excited to, to get out there and, and play this new record. So you're, you're, you're playing the record from front to back, I assume? Yes, we are. We're, we're going to do the whole one hour and, and six minutes of it every night. So it'll be a, it, it'll be a trip. Definitely. So I've only seen you guys once, um, mostly because of COVID, but I saw you guys on the, um, on the last tour the where the owls know my name tour at, uh, St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Yep. Um, my friend Jeff, who owns another metal bar in Brooklyn called Lucky 13, entered the pit healthy, exited very bloody, but he had the time of his life. <laughs> but that was a great show. Uh, like, you guys were so amazing. Um, and it's been fascinating. I mean, it's, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a really organically huge fan, but, I, I, but I don't, there's a lot I don't know. And, you know, I feel like you guys have, you, you're, how do I put this? Not that I won't even, I won't even call it growth because you, you know all, everything you guys have done has, has has been amazing. But you guys definitely morph kind of into a different band with each record a little bit, right? Like, like yeah. how is that? I mean, is that it's got to be partially organic, but is it is it also intentional? Uh, I mean, you know, I think I think the the sound of this this band evolving, um, you know, sonically. I mean, you know, we did our first record with Eric Rutan. It's like very much like a kind of like an old school death metal kind of record. And then our second record is really like, really like a tech death record. And then where Owls Know My Name is kind of this weird prog tech death hybrid kind of thing. And then this new record is like, just kind of, it's a very strange sort of owned sort of thing, you know? And I think that, um, I think that the change between each record has really just been us all kind of like, um, you know, just, growing up sounds pretentious because that's not what I mean, but really just all of us going through life and like naturally we're all fans of music and we're all listening to like different music, you know, over the years, you know, our tastes kind of change with like what, what we're taking in, you know, whether it's music or film or video games or any kind of stuff. Like we, we sort of don't put any, we've tried not to like put any cap on like what we, you know, take in as, as influence and, and what we put into the music of the band. So you know, some bands kind of establish a sound and like really just like lean into that hard and it works great. And we've always just been, you know, for better or worse, kind of just wanting to to keep pushing the the ball for our own ball forward, you know, um, and just keep it interesting and a little different on each record, um, you know, bringing in different instruments and different styles kind of keeps, keeps us all like on our toes as musicians because, pretty much on every record, you know, there's certain parts of each record where we're doing like a totally new sound, you know, for the band. And it requires all of us to put time into like honing that new thing, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, playing drums with, you know, brushes versus regular drumsticks or like bringing in a saxophone or playing slide guitar, or, you know, on this new record, I play a lot of the keys and that was a new thing for me. And like, mm -hmm. just kind of like, 
you know, push, pushing ourselves a little bit on each record. And I think that the, the, the kind of vast difference between each record is really just sort of a product of us, you know, um, I guess, grow, go, going through our lives, really. You know, we started this band when we were 18. I'm 31 now. So, I mean, that's a long time. You know, um, a lot has changed in all of our personal lives and all of our, you know, tastes with what we, we like and everything. And I think our music is really just a reflection of all that kind of compounding into one thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I listened to the work this morning um, while I was working out and I was, you know, it's funny because I, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, if I sometimes I'll introduce a band as sort of by their genre or whatever. Right. And so in my head, I was thinking, you know, well, this is a progressive death metal band. But then listening to the work all over again this morning with fresh ears, knowing that we were going to talk today, I was like, this isn't that this is different than that. Um, yeah. I think it's incredible that you guys are able to kind of, again, like morph your style every three years, you know, even though you got a touring cycle in there as well and whatnot. Um, I was actually talking to Brian Slagle this morning about something totally unrelated, but I mentioned that we were going to talk today and he was like, ask him about the saxophone because no one's doing that. And the response has been really surprisingly amazing. So talk, talk, talk to us about that. And also the keyboards too, because there's more of that in this record as well. Yeah. So uh, on the last record, uh, where I also know my name, we, uh, the, the guy who plays sax, who has played sax on the last two records and who has uh, done a lot of the, a lot of touring with us, his name is Zach Strauss. And I actually recorded his local band uh, back in 2015, right around the time our, our second record came out. He played guitar in that band and he sort of mentioned to me on the side, like, hey, you know, like I'm, I play sax, if you guys ever need, you know, you wanna mess around with some weird stuff, let mm -hmm. me know. And I kind of just, you know, you know, put it on the shelf, really, you know, and uh, as we were writing owls, there were these kind of sections where there's just these big open chunks of the songs. And I thought like, well, you know, I could try to like jam a guitar solo in there awkwardly, you know, and or, you know, do something else with it. I was like, well, let's just see how, you know, Zach said he would give it a shot. Let's see how it works. And um, I think the first thing he recorded was uh, the silent life. He came over to the the studio here and um he you know pretty much belted out what ended up going on the record and sent it to the guys and they were all like hell yeah sounds great mm -hmm. and we just kind of kept working together really and uh you know we brought him in on on this new record mm -hmm. uh the, the sax on on this new album is is quite a bit different from the sax on where owls know my name i feel like on owls it was more of like a really like a focused like lead instrument like here's a saxophone solo and yeah. on this new record uh there's a lot of it's really just kind of like woven into the musical landscape i guess it's like more of a texture or like another color you know in the painting rather than this like focused thing um there's a lot where he's you know playing like baritone sax and stuff underneath guitar lines where you might not even notice that there's a sax playing unless you soloed it out but it's like adding that extra five percent or whatever um so yeah zach um zach's just uh he's like a really talented you know musician i mean he like he's a, he's a music teacher at home and um you know he's he's got a really like great ear and uh you know is real like creatively like real easy to communicate with and just really gets it and there's a lot of stuff that he does with us live that you know isn't on the records but he still he still jumps in and like 
adds kind of something new like every night which i'm a big fan of kind of not necessarily like improvisation but just like making it a little bit different every night and he's he's really good at that um so yeah it was really just like a friendship um you know where it started as just like a working relationship me recording his band and then him saying like hey if you ever want to you know try something out let me know and we did and and we've been working together ever since so that's pretty much it <laughs> and he's going on tour with you on this next tour yeah yeah he's he's coming out um on this next tour the contortionist and uh he just did the headliner um with us in may that we did and uh yeah he's bringing out uh i think he's bringing out like three different saxophones um oh, wow. got like you know we've got our guitars off the side of the stage and he's got his saxophones lined up on the side <laughs> of the stage so it's like a whole here comes Rivers Nile, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and were you, I mean, did you guys have any concerns about like, you know, how people would re receive that on, on Owl's record or did you, were you pretty confident? We, I mean, I don't know if we were confident. We just did it, you know, it was like, we didn't know at that point, you know, we had put out the two records, the first, our first two records and we had sort of like a, like a, a cult following on a more underground following, but like, we weren't like catching like loud wire articles or anything like no we weren't like catching like any like bigger outlets or anything like that and then all of a sudden you know with the owls that kind of all changed but like before that we were just like ah no one's no one's even watching anyway let's just do whatever we want and that's pretty much like what happened on owls and then all of a sudden like people were paying attention and it was like oh like I guess something's happening here. So it, it, I wouldn't say that it was, we were really, I think we were more nervous about putting like clean singing on the record, you know, than mm -hmm. the saxophone. I don't, I don't think that was something that we had really even thought too much about. We just kind of like, yeah, let's just put sax on and see what, see what happens, I guess. Um, so it was, yeah, we kind of just like walked into that one blindly, like thinking that no one was going to like really, pay attention i guess <laughs> right right um and so you guys are all are you all from reading originally is there, is there is there a scene there um so we uh me um our singer jake our bass player andy or our yeah our bass player our bass player biggs and our <clears throat> uh, other guitarist andy um we're all from the reading area and then our drummer jared he's from from reno of Reno Nevada, as he would say. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we are, I'm sorry. What was the, what was the question again? Just, uh, just, just it's what the, what the, you know, what kind of scene is there or we're, oh, is it, oh. are, you're not one and you guys just sort of found each other. Right. Right. So actually, um, when the band first started, uh, our, our bass player Biggs and I, we were in like a more like thrash band together. Um, thrashy kind of band and then our singer jake and our original guitarist and our original drummer they were in like more of like a slammy kind of grindy band and you know we were all friends just from going to shows together um growing up and we were like all aware of each other's like talents and stuff and it just was like one of those things where none of us were ever not in a band at the same time where like we could all come together and uh around like right around like literally like the week i graduated from from high school um my the thrash band that i was in with our bassist bigs uh disbanded their band disbanded and 
this new project started and, and it was the five of us that like finally were able to come together and and play you know we'd always wanted to, to play together and we were finally able to do that so it was really like the way that the band came together was through two bands kind of you know mm -hmm. falling apart and then you know the guys within those bands that were all really you know good friends and and stuff came together and, and formed rivers so yeah it was like there there's we were always kind of an oddball in our scene uh especially like early on we played with like a lot of hardcore bands um you know we would play like with like you know straight edge like kind of like like youth crew type hardcore bands and we're out there like playing like we were our, our older stuff was a little more moshy so it made more sense than like it would if we were to play with those bands today but yeah there was like it was a really strange kind of scene there was a lot of punk a lot of hardcore um a lot of metal like like um kind of like uh like uh what's the band that i'm thinking of joey sturgis recorded them they're like asking alexander like a lot of that kind of stuff you know like that kind of like metalcore stuff in the area but not not necessarily death metal um so we always kind of stuck out as like that band that had like a ton of blast beats and also had like tough parts that like kind of appealed to like the more moshy kids so it was we were always just a weird band and we still kind of are, I guess. I guess that's the one thing that's never changed with everything that has changed. <laughs> right. Um, I play drums. I'm very poor at it, but I've been, I've been trying for many years. And whenever I want to feel really bad about myself, I'll put on one of your records. So your drummers, <laughs> your drummers over the years have done, done a great job. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, you know, all, all credit due to the, to the death metal drummers out there. They got the hardest jobs of anybody. You know, they basically have to be, Olympic athletes and right. also carry the most stuff and set the most stuff up and tear the most stuff down and have the most people counting on them every night. So it's like, it's a tough spot to be in. And it's no wonder that so many bands in the genre have difficulties like retaining drummers. Cause it is like the hardest job, you know, Matt Bacon, why don't you, why don't you take over for a minute? Yeah. So a couple questions. So <clears throat> starting on the, just with the upcoming tour, because I do a lot of work with the contortionists, so I've been thinking about this tour a lot. Um, you're playing the work in full, and it's like, and I'm not sure if it was you or someone else in the band kind of made a comment about how this is like kind of the ultimate, like an incredible gift as an artist to be able to like present your work like that. That was probably me. Yeah, talk about I that, because I, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's, uh, you know, everyone's different, obviously, but I think for me, um, I write a majority of like, I don't write any of the lyrics or vocals or anything like that, but a majority of the music, you know, I write a majority of that. And for me, um, as like, a, as a writer, something that I've noticed now having done four records is that I guess I like kind of need to feel a certain level of like, okay, I've got like, I don't know if closure is the word, but like, I have to go out with like any album that we're touring on and like really feel like I've kind of like experienced like the full sort of spectrum of like, you know, what that material, you know, um, was originally written to do, I guess. And like, I think that when you go out and you play and it, like, especially with us, cause like, this record was written not as like one continuous piece of music, but like essentially it is that. Um, and I think that being able to present something like that, um, the way that 
you know, it is on the album, which like we take a lot of care in, in track listings and like, you know, go, you know, tying so ends of songs together with the beginnings of other ones and all that kind of stuff. And like being able to actually go out there and do that in a live setting, um, it like, it's a good feeling because it just kind of like, A, like you prove to yourself that like you can, you can do this, you know, you can go out there and like represent this material, you know, fairly to the world um play it well you know most it, most every one of our records has been more difficult to play in certain respects than the last and like being able to play that stuff well i mean that's a good feeling in, in and of itself but being able to go out there and say like okay like i've i've taken this thing that i spent you know 18 months working on or whatever and i've you know taken it out in the world and played the whole thing you know you know in the states in europe you know wherever and like the, and then that really kind of like clears out for me at least it like clears out my head and it like it's like okay like now it's time to like start the next thing because i've noticed that um i noticed that after we finished this new album you know I, we had a lot of time still off and it was it's it was like really hard for me to like write anything at all because we hadn't like taken any of this material out into the world yet because, you know, still lockdowns and everything like that. And we hadn't gone out and like really like, um, given this, you know, play this music out in the world. So it still felt like it was kind of like, you know, backed up, I guess, you know, like I couldn't create room for anything new because what, what we were like putting out at the time hadn't been shown to the world at all, I guess. So I think, I'm kind of rambling here, but um, to get back to your to your question, yeah, I think just going out and playing, you know, something from beginning to end, the way that you like presented it to the world on a record, I mean, that's a, it's just a great feeling, and it like allows you to, yeah, to like move to move forward, you know, with like full confidence of saying like, yeah, I did this thing, I put it on a record, played it live, did the whole thing, you know, on the record and live, you know, it's time to move on now. Um, so that's like, I think that's probably what I was, what I was talking about with that comment. But yeah, I mean, we did it with owls, you know, and that was awesome, you know, came home from those owls headlining tours where we played the whole record. And it was just like, it was a great feeling, you know, cause the tours went so well, everyone was playing great. And, you know, it was just like, Hey, you know, this chapter is done now, let's do the next thing. And there's nothing, nothing holding us back now. Cause we, we did what we set out to do with this album, I guess. Would you do, would you take it to the next level and kind of do what the, like the contortionist on that tour are playing two albums front to back. Mm -hmm. Would you ever want to take it to the next level and kind of do that? Maybe. I mean, we've discussed all kinds of things um, over the years. Like we've discussed, you know, doing, uh like a 10-year tour for like our first record and then like getting a bunch of like really sick kind of like more like osdm style bands on the tour you know because that record for us is like more of like yeah. that kind of sound um we've talked about that you know just doing like different things for each album i don't know if we've necessarily discussed doing two albums at once i mean that's a huge undertaking that's a long i mean we i mean you know I never thought we would, I never thought we would like play an entire record. Cause like, I don't know, there's always stuff on every record that when we're writing it, I'm just like, ah, we're never going to play this one live. Like I can make this one like super crazy. Cause like, and every, and the last two records that's come back to bite me, you know, bite me in the ass. And it's like, great. Now, now we're playing it, you know? So, so it's like, there's always, 
you know, I never thought that we would be a band that like went out and played uh, albums from beginning to end. Um, but, you know, here we are like, uh, you know, a, a few people, like I, re I remember when we first announced the, the, the Owls tour, we didn't actually announce it as, you know, we're playing this whole record. It was just like, this is the, the Where Owls Know My Name tour, you know, we were gonna play stuff off Owls, stuff off our other albums. And then a bunch of people around me were just telling me like, hey, well, why don't you just do the whole record? I mean, that's what everybody wants anyway you know, bring, bring some keyboards, bring, bring the sacks, like do the whole thing. Why not? And that seed kind of grew and, uh, and now we're out here playing a whole album. So I don't know, maybe we, maybe one day we would do two albums, you know, on a tour. Um, who, who knows? Uh, like I said, never thought we'd be playing one full album, but we we've done that, you know, we're about to do that again. So possibly, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just it's wild to kind of see the like as someone who's been a fan since 2012 like it's wild to see that progression and how you kind of sculpt it i had a really smart follow-up question that i just completely forgot <laughs> <laughs> um i can jump in for a second then um you know when i listen to work um I'm trying to articulate what I'm thinking. Um, like, so Owls is a great record that you can play from front to back, but I don't feel like, like you said earlier, the work is really almost like one long composition that you consciously, you know, tied each song to the next one and whatnot. So I, in the when you were in the recording process of that, like, how do you know, how do you all look at each other and say, okay, this song is finished or, or it's not? Like, what, what's that process like? Usually it comes down to our bassist Biggs and I, he, he writes the majority of the lyrics and arranges the vocals. And he's, he's like, definitely, I mean, I've been playing music with that guy since I was 16, you know? Uh, so he and I have like a pretty, you know, firm understanding of, of one another and we can be pretty honest with each other. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, th this isn't like a, a, a down on any of the other guys in the band, but a lot of the other guys in the band, you know, you'll send them something like, oh, that's sick. That's sick. That's sick. And it's like, you know, that's cool. But like I, when, I, when we're writing stuff, you know, I, I want it to be like insulted to the point where like, you know, it, it like hurts, <laughs> hurts my feelings, you know, um, and, and it in a positive way, Biggs is very right, good at sure. that, you know, and, and I'll send him stuff and like, if he, you know, even winces at it, like, I know I gotta, I know more, more work has to be done. So, so usually it comes down to like the two of us, um, at least like on like a preliminary, like arrangement level for the music, it comes down to like the two of us kind of like shooting it out and like him, him, you know, saying harsh things, me saying harsh things, but in a productive way, you know? Um, so yeah, it's usually just it's usually just until no one has anything bad to say and and bad saying bad things are are welcome, you know, very much welcome in my process because you know, uh I I I don't want to be told that like everything that I'm, you know, putting out is like great cuz like what's the what's sure. the point of that? You know you're, what I mean? you're you're talking to a chef. I totally get yeah, it. Yeah, like, exactly. Like I like, like I, I, I want to know the truth. Did you like the dish yeah. or not? You're not, yeah, you're not just, doing me any favors telling me it was great if you didn't really feel it was great. Yeah, exactly, cuz it's going to go on a record forever and like if it's if it sucks, it sucks forever, you know. So, um yeah, I don't know. It's usually just us all in a group chat, some some Dropbox links 
and uh you know everybody just like saying if they think this sucks or that sucks and until we get to the point where you know everybody's you know stoked we know we're not we're, we're not really done so it's it's pretty it's pretty much just like a uh a, a constructive criticism game until there is no more criticism i guess you said earlier that you were rehearsing and that the guys are in town do you, do you not all live near each other at the, at the moment no so our um uh, our bassist uh he moved down to richmond um our guitar player he moved out to phoenix um uh our our sax player he he lives pretty close to he lives like kind of close to philly we're about an hour northeast or northwest of philly um he lives kind of close to philly and then our our singer and i we live right around reading so everyone is kind of dispersed over the country you know um as life happens you know so so who moves um but yeah so really we just fly everybody in when it's time to practice yeah. for tour and then we rehearse for a week and then we that was, my, out, really. that was actually going to be my question was how long do you, do you take to prepare for a tour like this a week it really depends on like what it is so when we came back from from COVID after not playing for 18 months and we were doing that uh up from the sewer tour with with black dahlia uh we practiced i think for for two weeks for that tour um you know, and then I think for like our last headlining tour, we practiced for a week and then for the European festivals, we just did another week and we're doing like five days for this one because we're, we're really playing a lot of the stuff we just played in Europe, but we're adding like four more songs. Um, mm. So it didn't take quite as much, um, quite as many days this time. Um, but everything is like, I don't know, like once it, once you start playing together, um, you know, and you get like a tour after a tour after a tour, that's when like, you know, the gears are really greased and like things are just like, you can, you can have like two days of practice and like kind of get back to the point that you're at, like at the end of the last tour. It's, I guess it's like just the muscle memory of playing with each other or whatever. So yeah, it's usually somewhere between one and two weeks that we spend getting ready for tours. Okay. I have two more questions and then I'm going to let Matt bring us home. But, um, so after this tour, what happens next? Are you guys almost done with touring on the cycle or you can start writing again? Or, or are you just beginning or what's what's happening? No. So actually, uh, right after we get back from the contortionist tour, uh, we're home for about a month and then we go back to Europe and we headline. We're bringing uh, uh, we're bringing Fallujah, Allegiant uh, and Inferi with us. And oh, wow. um, that will be uh yeah, that'll be like a full European headlining tour. And then when we get back from that, we're home uh, until February and then we go down to Mexico, um, you know, which will be our first time down there, which we're really stoked about. And then uh, we have some stuff that hasn't been announced for the spring of next year. So um, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff coming up. Um, And I think, I think uh, probably while we're home, uh, over the winter for a few months, we might work on, we might work on some stuff, um, right, writing some stuff and, and potentially recording some things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's really, uh, the, like I said, you know, earlier, like the machine is, is back on after the, mm-hmm. the long, the long sleep, I guess. And, and, you know, everything's kind of firing on all, on all cylinders again, which is a, it's a very good and relieving feeling for, you know, so, you know, 
in the midst of all of what happened over the last two years, you know, you've reached a point where you're like, are we going to do this again? And now that's actually happening. It's like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, It's cathartic for the bands, but it's cathartic for the fans. I mean, I've been going to a lot of shows lately and it's just incredible. You could just feel a different sort of energy. I mean, eventually I think it'll, it'll pass and it'll still be an amazing experience, but right now it's still like so electric, like whenever, whenever I'm going to see a show. Anyway, I don't, we went on, we don't want to keep you too long. Um, and I want to give Matt some more, a little more uh, time, but I have to ask you for those who are listening that are familiar with this band, you got, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're not, and you're listening, definitely go to YouTube and look this up, but I need to know the story behind the video for where owls know my name. Cause it's the coolest video ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, it was really just inspired by kind of like those old, um, you know, acid art kind of music videos from the sixties. I mean, like Almond Brothers and Iron Butterfly and Cream and, you know, uh, Buffalo Springfield and like all those kind of bands, you know, just those old, you know, sort of cheesy looking like, you know, the, the, blotty like psychedelic background and then like the the bad like i don't know what the term is for when like you you know the bodies are like cut out of like the background but like every it was kind of inspired by that and 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 dave dave brodsky who's done a lot of our you know most of our music videos um he kind of dove headfirst into that one we were like we want it to look cool but we kind of want it to look shitty if you know what i mean like almost (laughs) like a weird like um, like 1960s British television, like children's television program, you know, like, or like the mighty Boosh or something like that. Like it was kind of, all that was kind of like in that, in that hat, I guess. So we just wanted it to look kind of odd and like borderline, borderline campy, but like still serious and cool. I don't know. So it was really just inspired by like, it's yeah. definitely campy, but it's done so well. Like you, you didn't just phone it in. You guys all kind of committed to it. Like if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And yeah. to me, not only is it a riot to watch in a video, you know, you, I, I will say this, there's not a lot of metal videos. I shouldn't say there's not a lot, but typically I'll watch a video once. And if I really like it, I'll circulate it via text to a bunch of my metalhead friends. And maybe I'll show my wife and then that's the end of it. I don't go back to it. Like I've gone back to that video three or four or five or six times because it's so entertaining, but also not something you would expect from a quote unquote death metal band, whatever verb we want to put before the word death. But it was just, I, I thought it was really kind of like adding saxophone out of the blue. I felt like that style of video was also kind of like taking a risk a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it this was. Isn't, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I mean, our, we're all wearing costumes and our singer was like dancing, you know what I mean? Which is like, we didn't even know that was happening as we were shooting it. And then we watched, we saw the final video. We're like, oh, I guess Jake's dancing now. So here we go. And, you know, it seemed like people were into it. So guess it worked out. <laughs> all right, we're almost out of time. Matt, I'm sorry I, I dominated this one, but I love this band and I just needed to ask my questions. But go ahead and take us home, Matt. I just want to circle back real fast on the saxophone thing, because I think you started with the saxophone in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Roughly. Okay. Cause yeah. it's interesting to me because horns and saxophone in particular kind of have a movement in metal right now, be that with dreadnought or like full of hell, mm-hmm. which are complete opposite sides of the spectrum, you know? Um, and then obviously a few things that have been around for a long time, like Yaucha, right? Yes. Do you think there's going to be more horn use in metal going forward? Because it seems that way to me. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think it's just like a very, I think it's very 
I think like all things sort of, um, I don't even know what the term for it is, but like cozy eighties stuff is like very like big right now. Like whether you're, you know, with the stranger things kind of thing, mm -hmm. like it, like that whole kind of thing is very like popular right now. And like synth wave kind of goes hand in hand with all that, just that synthy kind of like sound. And I think that like the saxophone ties in like very, very seamlessly to, to like that sound. Like I, it was at the, the midnight, you know, they had, they've had like sax, like sax stuff on their records and like, it fits in like perfectly with like, I mean, you know, and obviously like, like bands actually from that era, like, you know, tears for fears and, and stuff like that, you know, they had like sax all over their, um, all over their stuff. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we could, ex if, if like we can or can't expect to see more, but like, I have noticed that it's been popping up a lot more, um, just because, I mean, I don't know why it is popping up more, but like, I, I wonder if it is related to like, just the overall sort of like, you know, eighties kind of retro kind of thing that's going on right now. And I think that like sax is, is sort of like a big part of that. It's like a very, Hmm. What, like what, how, how do I say it? It's just like, I mean, that you have like the lost boys, right? Like, you know, that's like the one meme that like we always get tagged in, you know, the guy with the sax and everything. And like that whole, I don't know, I guess that just a whole kind of era. It's like very, the, the saxophone and that all that stuff kind of just go hand in hand. So I don't know, like um, maybe that, maybe people are just getting more bold with like the decisions that they're making with their music. I don't know. Maybe people are realizing that, with with everything that's you know going on now with uh with technology and like how people can access your music that it doesn't really necessarily matter anymore you know to you know hold yourself to like this strict requirements of like this genre because if i don't then like nobody you know i'm going to get ejected out of like this list of bands that people compare me to or us to or whatever you know i think people are starting to care about that stuff less because you know, you can find literally anything now, any, you know, I mean, like over COVID, like I got really into like Russian doomer music, you know, which is like, what even is that? You know, it's a whole genre of like music that sounds kind of like the cure, but it's like way more lo-fi and like the whole like slowed verbed thing. That's like a whole genre on YouTube. Like, you know, five years ago, you never even heard of stuff like that. So like, I think maybe, maybe the fact that there's so much accessibility to like literally anything you want you know has kind of shown artists that you know you know venturing outside of the box of what would you know normally be considered appropriate for their genres that's stuff doesn't really matter anymore because you can kind of do your own thing and, and people will find you if they want to find you i guess yep very fair i'm getting a do message that my, there chris i'm getting a message that my internet is unstable can you hear me we can hear you fine yeah, I can find um, uh, no, I'm good. I think um, uh, let everyone know where they can find you out there on the social medias and all that stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, I'm on uh, my my personal stuff. I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, the band is also on all those things as well. Facebook and recently got on got on TikTok. So. Um, yeah, we're on all the all the stuff. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you get music, Bandcamp, um, and uh, we also sell, you know, vinyl records uh, that you can buy and have sent to your house and listen to. So yeah, we do all the stuff. <laughs> awesome.
Matt, anything else? No, thank you so much for coming on, Brody. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was good I'm to meet you. I was just yeah. looking, uh, I was cheating and looking on my phone at the tour dates for the contortionist, and I'm going to be on the East Coast. I live in LA now. Uh, I moved here last couple, uh, actually, it's like two years now, I guess. Um, time means different things after the pandemic. It's kind of hard to uh, quantify. But I know. <laughs> yeah, after 30 years of living in New York City, I moved to LA, but I, of course, I'm going to be on the East Coast when you guys play here, and I'm going to be on the West Coast when you play there. However, I have a new thing where I love going to Mexico to see shows. I'm going to actually see Ramstein uh, oh. a couple times uh, in Mexico City. Um, no, so, Matt, see. maybe you and I need to plan a road trip to go see Rivers in Mexico on that tour. That would be very cool. That would be that would be cool. We're we're also uh, Imperial Triumphant will be with us as well. Um, so that'll be oh, cool. those will be some cool shows. Yeah. I think definitely the best awesome. Brooklyn band. Yes, we just. <laughs> We Thanks just, so much but, for your time. We know you're busy. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, as from as I said before, not to not to sound you know like a teenager, but I am a huge fan. So this is really has been a really great experience for me, and I appreciate your time, man. Well, thanks for having me, man. It was a good talk. Awesome. Uh, we will Take see care. you on the road. We'll see you in Mexico, hopefully. Hopefully. All right, guys. See you later. Bye now. Bye. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.